0: Welcome to The New School at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with Betsy Stroman and Stella Schau, hosted by Michael Lerner.
1: Betsy Stroman and Stella Schau, welcome to The New School. Thank you. we happy to be here. You are uh, co-founders of Sausalito Village, uh, which launched in October 2010 as part of Marin Village. And then became a separate, a standalone village in 2012. About how many members does Sausalito Village have? We currently have about
2: 200 members, um, but less, fewer memberships because our memberships can be of one or two people in a household. So um, we have, you know, a lot of couples, and then we have single uh, people and um, so it's about 135
1: memberships, Mm-mm.
2: 200 people
1: approximately. And you run on a budget of about $35,000 yes. a year. Right. And um, I looked at your website, and let me just start <coughs> with a quote at the top of the website, which I think is so beautiful from a woman named Laura Karstensen, uh, who wrote a book called A Long, Bright Future. Our challenge is to make old age not only acceptable but inviting. We can craft an old age that will be intellectually stimulating, socially rewarding, productive, and fun. The greatest gift we could give to future generations is to say, here's a way to be old that you'll want to be. And that's right across the top of the Sausalito village. Isn't that a beautiful? Vision. It's really beautiful. You know. And when you look at uh, then the website says, Welcome to Sausalito Village. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization founded by a small group of volunteers who wanted to build a community of friendship and support among Sausalito's older residents. We are dedicated to enhancing the ability of our members to live independently remaining active and integral to our community as we age. We offer a wide range of support services as well as educational, cultural, fitness, and social activities, all of which help our members to live safe, active, and connected lives. It's beautiful. Very clear. Very clean. $35,000 a year. 200 members. Open to all. And the list of... Benefits. Just, just listen to this. Help with transportation, referral to service providers whose credentials have been checked, help with computers and electronics, help with minor household chores and repairs, daily phone check-in on request, concierge service for information assistance from volunteers or referrals, volunteer opportunities bi-weekly update, fun activities like book group, yoga, memoir group, lectures, group lunches, museum tours, and more, access to regularly updated uh, members-only web page, and member discounts from more than 30 local businesses and restaurants. Mm. So that's what a functioning village looks like. It's really quite astonishing. So how did this start?
2: Well... The long story is, which I'll try to be brief about, is that I have a father who just recently turned 100. But um, when he was around 92 or so, um, he sent me an article from the New York Times about Beacon Hill Village. And my father lives in a lovely retirement place, but it's all, you know, he had to move out of his home to live there. And he just didn't really like that idea very much. And so I got interested in Beacon Hill Village. And then I discovered some other people in town who were also interested in it. And we started just sort of looking around a little bit. And then I got a call from someone who said that Marin Village was organizing because Luli Sutro who's the head of the board of Marin Village, had read an article in the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was on the... Um, uh, grand jury and discovered that there was a lack of services for seniors in um, Marin County. So she thought a hub and spoke model would be good and that they would, you know, combine services um, in a central office and then have um, what they were calling pods out um, throughout Marin County. And, um, One of my dreams had been, because Beacon Hill Village was very expensive, it was a sort of an upper crust kind of um, operation for people who had money, um, and a lot of staff, my concern had been that I didn't want to have that kind of village because um, I wanted it to be available to everybody in Sausalito, regardless of their income. So when I talked to the Marin Village people, because was an interesting idea. Um, I told them my feelings about this and it turned out they had exactly the same dollar figure in mind for membership that I did, which was $200 a year. Um, And so I said, great. And um, we started out that path, but then their structure involved having staff and paid offices and they couldn't sustain themselves because they didn't Get enough money from grants or gifts, uh, so they had to double their fees, and so we eventually took off. But um, it started with me, and then we had these little. um, I mentioned it to a few people I knew, and everybody I talked to seemed to think it was a good idea, and I was just sort of amazed that it was something Mm -hmm. that. It was ready. Sausalito was ready for this. And, you know, the best people that I knew in town or didn't know were responding so positively to it. And um, next thing I knew, we had what we called a steering committee (laughs) and um, a bunch of really smart people who did a great
1: job. (laughs) Mm. Stella Shaw, you were um, the program director for human needs at the Marin Community Foundation from 1988 to 1994, and we intersected during that time on say, nonprofit yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And so it's wonderful to have you back out here, and uh, such a joy to see you. How did you get involved with Betsy in this?
3: Well, it's interesting because of my work in the past, not only with the foundation, but I actually went to school for to do social work. So it was more like service-oriented things that in back of my mind. But there's also, in my view, a large group of people who didn't need or who were not eligible for county services as such, and yet we need the services as we get older. Not necessarily services, but just being connected and having the opportunity to serve, um, different kinds of things like that. And I read about Beacon Hill also at one point and was thinking, you know, Saucedo is so small, it'd be a perfect place where people can get to know each other and help each other. And it's more like a, to me, it was more like a community development Project. It's like getting people together. Um, many people in Sausalito turned out. Sausalito was their bedroom community. They work in San Francisco. They work at different places. And so, as we got older, we retired and we stay in there. And now we didn't know the people in the in our immediate community. So there was a real need for for myself to connect with local people, where I don't have to drive across the bridge to meet with friends for dinner. Um, and so it was a very selfish reason for me to get involved because I thought, you know, I really need to get to know what the city is about and who some of these people are that I live next to. Um, and there was a meeting at the women's club. I don't know if you call it a large meeting. Um, oh, there was an article in the IJ or local paper. said there's going to be a meeting at the women's club. Um, anybody who's interested in the village movement, come and see so I went to the meeting, and that's how I discovered there was a group of people in Salcedo who's going to start a village. So I hop on it and <laughs> decided I would volunteer. And, and I didn't know what I was going to volunteer for because I wasn't sure. It was really in the very beginning. I didn't have any idea who was what and what they were going to do, but I knew I could do something, so I just volunteered and started going to meetings. and. Somehow it evolved that I think one of the first jobs I had was to start the volunteer program for the village. And turnout was a very important um, position, if you will, because that the whole thing was run by volunteers. Um, and it also turned out, which was very interesting, because in my mind, again, remember coming from that kind of nonprofit social service background, I was thinking we need to have a whole volunteer um, component or department, or division. Well, it turned out, more than half of our members also wanted to volunteer. So that makes a very different kind of organization. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn a a new way of looking at what volunteers was. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, um, a younger friend who has some older friends who are involved in an East Bay village. And she was talking to her friend uh, who said to her, you know, I want you to meet my new boyfriend. And her friend was 85. And uh, so she said, oh, you have a new boyfriend. Uh, Where did you meet him? And she said, actually, I met him in our village. He's, uh, you know, and so it's just like one of the things about this, you can look at it as, um, as a way of organizing social services for the elderly so people can stay in their homes. But you can also look at it, as you just said, Stella, as a way of creating community. And then all kinds of things kind of naturally explode from it, particularly because so many people want to be useful. That's right. And having retired, the question of where can I be That's useful? Right. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so the volunteer spirit of this um, is really a powerful so thing. It's very healthy. It's very healthy, yeah, Absolutely. We were also talking before we started, the uh, the San Francisco uh, village, which is a vibrant village, has a, a large base of grant support, paid professional staff, that's its model. Um, your model is almost entirely volunteer, what, one percent time staff person?
2: Yes, but we didn't have any staff for a year. For we had it completely right. um, volunteer, and then right. we... We sort of had to figure out what our financial situation was, and we looked at the end of the year. We'd been building up quite a little nest egg. (laughs) It surprised us. So we figured that we could um, Um, be somebody.
1: What does that halftime person do?
2: Well, initially her role was to be the concierge, which is a very important part of the village structure that help is just a phone call away. Any member just picks up the phone and calls, and the concierge will try to find a volunteer or tell that person where she can find, he or she can find a roofer or um, um, give information about the village or whatever you need. That's the idea that you help is just a phone call away. And so that's what she was hired for initially. And that's what she mainly did. And over actually just a few months ago, when we looked at our budget and looked at what we were doing, we decided that There were a lot of administrative things and record-keeping stuff that we would be happy to hand off because at some point volunteers get tired. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: (laughs) And so she's doing that now.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, one thing I just, uh, one exciting new uh, uh, project that you've developed is a partnership with Sausalito Village on transportation. Could you describe that? It's actually a
2: partnership with the city of Sausalito. Oh, thank you. And it's um, it's, um, it's called Call a Ride for Sausalito Seniors, or CARS. And um, Connie, this woman who's our concierge now has worked herself into a full time job mm-hmm. because we're paying half of it, and the city through a grant that they got from the Marin Community Foundation, yeah, <laughs> is paying the other half of it. And um, anybody in Sausalito, whether or not they're a member, can call and get a ride within Sausalito. Um, and it, we, right now it's only ten to two, but we're probably going to expand it. Mm-hmm. And but. We've been very happy. We've been getting a lot of volunteers who we didn't have before. Rotary's been looking at it as a good thing for their members. And so a lot of members of Rotary are now volunteering to drive people. And it means that people can go to the bank or the grocery store or um, go have coffee with a friend or go to the hairdresser or whatever they want to do. Actually, we expanded to Marin City so that now they can go to the drugstore in Marin City and pick up their um, prescriptions. And we've also just expanded so that special events in Sausalito, um, if people want to go to the art
3: festival or to um, maybe, I don't know what else. Well, especially for the volunteers, all the volunteers that work at the art festival, for example, they can get a ride to to do their volunteer work for four hours. And then, you know, when you're finished, because parking parking is a problem at the art festival. festival. So, So, you know, we've expanded to that. But the uh, people use their own cars. and so The volunteers use their own cars. They're being vetted. And so all you have to do is have a car and be able to drive and have a cell phone. And And a magnetic sign that I have in the back of my car. And so you're you're on for four hours a week or however many hours you want to help with
1: that. And then you just respond to
3: to calls. To calls. And it's, it's open to everybody, all seniors and disabled people.
1: I was looking at your calendar for October, and what I saw was
3: chair yoga every week, I believe. Yes, that's, that started from the very beginning, and as one of the members who's also a teacher, a yoga teacher. And bocce ball every week. ball. Right. <laughs> and then...
1: Uh, Those are two are very popular. Yeah. Activities. Weekly trips to Safeway or Trader Joe. Yes. Uh, monthly potluck, monthly lunch in different restaurants. Outings to the UC Botanical Garden in West Marin, Tales of the Trail. Is that people telling talking stories? Talking
3: about their travels. Yeah. Their travels. Okay.
1: Yeah. Village Sing-Along. Yeah. And a Floating Homes Open House.
2: The Floating Home Open House is not ours, but the Just Floating Homes year, yeah. organization, and this is their big fundraising project, no. and they raise money mainly for their own operations, but they also raise money um, historically for the Marin City Library, and um, now they're raising money for Sausalito Village, and we have been getting money from them, so we're really recruiting volunteers like crazy to work at the Floating Homes tour.
1: You know, one of the things um, I think you've done that is so important is that you've organized across the political-cultural spectrum. Uh, You mentioned Rotary. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, You know, I I watched an earlier effort in West Moran to do, um, what is it called? Um, It's not Transformation Towns. What's it called? Transition. Transition.
2: Transition.
1: Transition Towns. And Transition Towns was built around the theory that we were running out of oil. Guess what? We haven't run out of oil. We're, you know, But there was a theory that price of oil was going to keep going up and it was going to stop climate change, which turned out not to be exactly right. But in any case, the founders of Transition Towns had made a point of organizing across the political and cultural spectrum in England. But in West Marin and elsewhere, it was very much more progressive culturally. And it didn't make the jump across that. And I always thought that was going to turn out to be a challenge if, if you didn't really do that. And it seems to me that with something like this, it can only work if there's a deliberate awareness that you have to work across the cultural political spectrum and absolutely make space for the Rotarians and others, who often turn out to be the most dedicated people because they have, I mean, a lot of those people come from a business background or are willing to volunteer on a regular basis. And so I just think emphasizing the value of of that mindset is worth doing.
2: I have been known in the past in Sausalito to be a bit of a... Uh, rabble-rouser, and right. um, to speak my mind, and the second I got involved with this thing, that was over. <laughs> I was not taking any political positions right. on anything. Right, no, I think
1: this is an important fact, yeah. is uh, that being sure that you're accessible to everybody yeah, so that everybody feels, you know, comfortable. Forgive me for not looking in
3: this direction. I'll try to do a little better. I think we so. consciously made an effort of... Um, being connected with every organized institution that exists in South yeah. So like the road, and, and because we knew we were a volunteer organization, we had right. to have resources from the existing community institutions. So we actually had, um, we used the Rotary housing mm-hmm. clubhouse.
5: Wonderful. Ooh, that's where our, our office. office is. Right. Yeah.
3: And we, you know, we often use people's homes for meetings. Mm-hmm. We have potlucks. We had to try to think of all kinds of ways of, mm-hmm. you know, the Lions Club now wants mm-hmm. to help us with fundraising mm-hmm. events and mm-hmm. the police department, the fire department. We tried to connect with everybody. And Christchurch has given us space churches.
2: for the yoga ever
1: since that's the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, one of the things, uh, Betsy, that um, I noticed also watching this village take place uh, upon Whitby Island is that um, Lynn Williford, the person who organized it, has very deep roots in in the community, and and you uh, you've been very engaged. I know Stella mentioned she wanted to get to know people. But you, uh, for example, have uh, written a book. You've written two books. I just want to mention this. But the first book that you wrote was a book called uh, 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 A Place of Innocent Recreations, A History of the Sausalito Library, which was published by friends of the Sausalito Library in 2007. And then more recently, this is a sidelight, you wrote a book that I want to see called The Art and Life of Gene Varda, Uh, which is a book about uh, the legendary local artist Gene Varda traveling beyond his time in Sausalito to the beginnings of his life in the Ottoman Empire. And you were a litigation attorney educated at Stanford and then worked for many years as part of the Sausalito Historical Society. So you were really rooted in this community. And it seems to me that finding founding members of something... Who really know the community in depth and are trusted in the community across a wide range of different groups is probably pretty critical to what you've done.
2: I think so.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, You know, I've never given it much thought because, um, but I guess that's true. I mean, I just lived there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, um, but. I knew people because I'd worked, and I wasn't that much with the historical society. I was more involved with the library, but I also did do work with the historical mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. But those, that's where I tapped into people that I knew, and mm-hmm. they tapped into people they knew. I mean, it was just incredible how it spread.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Stella uh, and Betsy, if you were to name the three biggest challenges that you've faced with getting this thing up and running, and keeping it going. What have you discovered the biggest challenges are?
3: One of the challenges we always talked about was sustainability. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think as it grows, sort of keeping track of things is is complicated. And um, it's sort of like a spider web, and it just goes out all over the place. And... You know, if you put your eye on one thing, the next thing you know, there's something that you're worrying about somewhere else. And I think we're always looking for more management or more, um, more people who are willing to take on direction, directing roles. Um, and, I, and I do think finding um, replacements for us is um, always a challenge. I think that probably sustainability is the biggest issue. One issue that turned out not to be such a big issue was money. I mean, we were just so surprised Mm -hmm. that we are able to do this on relatively little money. Mm -hmm. And Michael asked me for the budget and I sent it to him and I looked at it and I thought, We didn't ever even think of doing some of the things that are in that budget mm-hmm. when we started. We started mm-hmm. with almost nothing. And um, then when we discovered we had enough money to have a part-time employee, we got that part-time employee. we um, made arrangements with, um, we had some minor funding to use a van to take people to museums <coughs> and things like that. And... That funding went away, but we turned out to have enough money. And then the van turned out to be impossible. It was a lousy van, the city-owned, and we never could get drivers. So now we're paying whistle-stop to drive people twice a month. And But these are things that we didn't think we would do when we started. We had very modest goals. And I don't know what to say. Sustainability is the big issue.
1: You know, I learned a term recently in technology. They talk about getting out your minimal, minimum, minimum viable product. Mm-hmm. Minimum and, product. you know, it's interesting to start with the question, you know, okay, what are all the needs that we'd like to fill? And then what is the minimum viable product, right? Mm-hmm. What do we offer at the start? that we believe we can do on what we've got and then add on. So what was your sense of the minimum viable product when you started? It's funny because I'm
2: remembering when we had our first community meeting, we had some businessmen who were, this was when I was, we were in Village still, I sat down and this man said to me, don't overpromise. and Mm -hmm. Because that was a big fear Mm -hmm. that we were going to raise people's expectations too high. But I didn't think we were. I think we knew that we could do what we were proposing to do. And our minimum viable product was to be able to get people, give people rides uh, to uh, medical appointments when they needed them and to um, try to pull people together in any way we could. And we had this Woman who I used to take yoga from, who said she would teach yoga to our group, and that was—that's what we started with, basically.
1: So yoga and rides.
2: Yoga and rides. No, but that's yeah. a good list.
1: That's a good list. That's a good list. And um, when uh, when you can, this is a technology question. The. Question of what software to use. Now, a lot of the villages use this thing called Club Express, which has been designed for that. And in your budget, you've got a fee of $550 a year for...
2: They pay, it's, I can't, 50 cents a month per member or something. I get it. So um, it depends on how many members you have. Plus, there's some... Um, startup
1: fee. I think there's a startup fee of a couple of thousand dollars. Oh, no, I don't think it was that much. I thought it was a couple hundred. Okay.
2: It's very cheap.
1: Okay. But so just thinking about a budget for West Moran, the question of which software package you're going to use, some people make it up themselves. A lot of people use Club Express. I know that uh, the Langley Village was, uh, the South Whidbey Village was choosing between one that required tech volunteers to customize and a kind of a Cadillac version that just came with all the stuff and they you just put it in place but you didn't have to worry about having tech volunteers to to do it because that's a key piece of this you know
2: you do need to have well, that was one of the things that we were so pleased with. Um, one of the, Somebody I knew from the Historical Society had retired from a career with Levi Strauss where she was mm-hmm. doing tech stuff. Mm-hmm. And she signed on immediately. And we kept hearing that we were going to have to pay $5,000 to consultants to set up our, um, our software. And Anne said, no problem.
1: <laughs> she just did it. it That's was... wonderful. Yeah. Um, Usually, in an organization or in a community, there's some number of people who really are dedicated to this. And I've heard different people talk about what that number needs to be to pull something off. But uh, in my sense, they usually need to have about at least seven people. I
2: was
1: going to say six. Six. (laughs) Okay. So is there a group of six or seven people who...
2: There has been. Consistently, they've changed over time, but we've always had six or seven.
3: And and we have a lot of Mm self-starters. And what I mean by that is they don't need to be supervised. Mm -hmm. People come up with the idea... -hmm. And they want to do it, and they do it. They put up the posters, they send out the emails to remind the people. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of sing along Mm -hmm. every month. Mm -hmm. And um, even like, and then some of these things, because they're so popular, once it's started by someone, you know, like the memoir class has been going on for the last four years. Um, memoir class and then this Shakespeare. We have a woman who's a, she was a drama teacher and she's volunteering to teach Shakespeare Mm. drama and particularly Shakespeare. Wonderful. And the group reads Shakespeare every week. She has every week. In her apartment. In her apartment.
6: Are all of those classes free, by the way?
3: Oh, yeah. Yes, they're all free for the members. But, I mean, this is every week and she's supposed to be very good because my husband goes to that class and he won't (laughs) miss it Mm. for anything. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> and it's free, and she uh, she does it every week. So, and the people all show up. I think she has about ten or twelve, mm-hmm. because li- only limited by the size of her apartment, which is very small. Because <laughs> it's very small. But that's just an example. I mean, people. And once she starts it, she just tells the person who's putting on the calendar update. You know, if there's any days missing, that's it. They just they self. What I mean by self starters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a lot of programs are like that, and they just continue.
1: So I get that the programs are stealth starters because people want to give. They want to serve. Yeah. But it seems to me the thing that's harder to keep sustained is the core administrative stuff, six, right? Yeah. So how many people does it take you to keep that core of just the operations going? Probably Six. Six. And um, How does that break out? What are those assignments?
2: Say, yeah. Well, initially Stella and another woman, Felicity Kirsch, who you some of you may know, she lived in West Marin a long time, um, set up the volunteer program, and we we said it's all about volunteers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the whole organization. Mm-hmm. We had yeah. to, so we had um, had to recruit the volunteers and keep track of them and get check their background checks and. Um, that has become systematized to some extent now, and that's one of the things that our halftime employee um, handles now.
0: You're listening to a conversation
1: with Betsy Stroman and Stella Shell. So, how, do you, how did you
3: systematize the volunteers? Um, what? Wh- yeah. Wh- what we had to do in the beginning was to, you know, the background check and all that. Re- recruiting is one of them, retaining. And rewarding them. And so we do orientation, we do training on a quarterly basis for the volunteers because new volunteers will come in. And we also realize that volunteers want to know other volunteers. Don't forget, not all volunteers are members. So we have younger people who are volunteers.
1: These are people who do the rides and things like yeah, that. Yeah,
3: they give rides and they do other volunteer work. Like they may like I guess we have volunteers who help with events.
1: So recruit, train and reward
3: and reward and yeah. then um and do the um,
2: assigning them they have to assign- be coordinated to because um you have to know um send out emails every time a call comes in for a volunteer um, the person that's taking the calls has to um get the information out to all of the volunteers and then get an answer yeah. and then connect that person up with the that's um, all done online the um actually the theory is that everything would be done online, but what we've discovered is our members, by and large, prefer to use the phone. So they, so they call in, and then um, the um, uh, uh, concierge contacts all the volunteers by email, and that's how the, 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 the process mm-hmm. continues from there.
1: And how many volunteers do you have? 65
2: or so. A lot, yeah.
1: 65 of which, what proportion tend to be members?
2: Half. At least half. Maybe three quarters. Okay. Yeah,
3: at least
1: half. And tell us about the participating merchants program. Uh, what what oh, kinds of... Interesting. Who, who's joined? Well, again, who, it, was, yeah.
3: it was like two people in the original steering committee decided that they would like to do that. Because the, one of the man's background was in sales. Mm-hmm. So they went around to um, all the merchants and services in Saucedo. And... First, they had to tell them about Sausseo Village, and then they asked them if they would give a discount if you had a membership card. And some will give discounts. Others would say if they come in here on Tuesday night to eat, they get a free dessert. <laughs> and then they sign a piece of paper. The merchants actually sign a piece of paper, say they would do this. Yeah. And then we have a list of them, and I think they're on the web, yeah. um, mm-hmm. website to show. And so if you do have a... Um, membership card you can show it when you go to restaurants and things like that um to use that the 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 problem has been that the members have not used it as much as we would like to see them use it Mm -hmm. because they forget or sometimes they're too embarrassed to have to Mm -hmm. you know ask for the discount um there's been times where I didn't want to do it because the hardware stores, people are so nice, I didn't feel like asking for a discount on top of them being so nice, the local hardware store. And they
2: example. gave us 15% discount. I would never ask for that. I mean, it's a store that's really marginal in terms of its profitability. And
3: really, yeah, that, that was a lot. But they're very, very nice. So, And then we will have in our newsletter... Um, What's it
2: called? Merchant of the Month. We tried that couple of months. Mm-hmm. So. so you have a monthly newsletter? Oh We have it twice. It's every other Thursday. It's called the Sausalito Village Update. And I ran it for the until very recently, and now I'm running it again because the person who handles it is out. Um, and we announce everything that's going on, and then we have... Uh, I mean, it's basically a calendar primarily, but we also have, you know... Information. If we have a new provider that we want
1: people to know about, or so the six or six or so people who are core to this, how much time per week do they tend to put into this?
3: Well, it's a lot. In, a lot <laughs> in the beginning. It was a full time job. Yeah. The first few years, um, those of us we were meeting all the time. We were doing the work and then. Pay-
1: so you had six or so people full time. For the first well, it's not few forty years. hours. No, but if but you're the always point is thinking very about dedicated, it. Yeah.
3: very dedicated. Yeah. Very dedicated.
1: Very dedicated. Now do those people hours. tend to be your board members or are the board members different from the people They who were, were the board members. So okay. We
3: were, if yeah. they were working that hard they became part of the board. I get it.
1: <laughs> okay. So how speaking of this now, uh, do you end up with personality conflicts, dynamics? And in other words, very often people who are willing to be very dedicated can be a little quirky or, you know, whatever. How do you deal with uh, dynamics so that you create a culture that's inviting and so that you deal with the human part of this?
2: Well, I think we, we shared this incredibly strong belief in this project, and it's sort of largely was conflict-free, but we uh-huh. did have times when things happened that um, we lost people. I mean, like when we left Marin Village, there were a few people on our steering committee who were very unhappy mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. and left. And then when we decided to hire a paid person, somebody, a couple of other people left. Mm-hmm. And um, But we just always... Basically, it's just a very cohesive group. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the people who've left
3: still support us in major ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, we, we allow people to be who they are. Uh, we have one person, one volunteer, who's really dynamite. I mean, she, she's in charge of several programs, but she hates meetings. She says, I refuse to go to meetings. So she wouldn't come so on our board. she would not come to any meetings, but that's fine. You know, I just let her know what's going on, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we allow people to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, we also started an uh, annual retreat. We call, uh, first the retreat was for board members only, I think. And then we decided we want board board members and significant others, are the significant workers, You know, people who are active in the organization doing various things. Um, so it ended up, instead of having like 10 people, we had, what, the last one we oh, had? 30 or so? 30, almost 30-something. 30 mm-hmm. So it was like all the teachers, you know, who teach different activities. So we would have this retreat or one day um, away from everything else to come together. We'd provide lunch, um, and we go over kind of what the purposes of our organization have people have a opportunity to give their input, what they would like to see happen the next the following year, or you know, kind of evaluation, assessment. I don't know what do we do in those retreats.
2: But you, when you mentioned, we also are very open, and all our meetings are open to the public, that's right? And people so that, come. um, there, there's you can participate as much as you want. The
1: reason I ask important. the question is that organizations are destroyed either by outside forces or internal forces. And so in something that's important, you have to ask how conflicts are going to be managed. Mm. And um, so there's that's why the question.
2: I understand the question, and we don't have a system for managing conflicts. Right. Right. And, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <think> we've never, <laughs> never had it. But we've had a few people leave, but as I say, they... Don't really they leave. Support, they support, they support, us support us. And, you know, they, I mean, the woman, we had a woman who was actually doing the newsletter, which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. I took over the newsletter at one point. Um, and um, she was head of membership and she did the newsletter and um, she ran the outside events. And she was really unhappy about us paying somebody and thought mm-hmm. we were going to have to go into fundraising and she said so she got off the board and um oh, she gave me back the newsletter she said you know you need to do this since i'm not on the board anymore but she still runs the membership runs mm-hmm. the events program mm-hmm. yeah, does a lot of yeah.
1: stuff yeah, yeah yeah so i want to ask you about um we've talked about transportation and um uh and there are the Concierge services, volunteer opportunities, uh, the, all the activities um, and the discounts. But a key piece of this is referrals to service providers whose credentials we've checked, help with computers and electronic devices, and help with minor household chores and repairs. How do you do those three things?
2: That is another woman who left our board because she was yeah. didn't want to get involved with all the board stuff. But, she's but she it. does this from mm-hmm. her, uh, her house Mm-hmm. And she checks all these service providers, and we put notices in the update whenever we need a different kind of service provider. Let us know if you've had good experience with somebody. And Meg keeps really close track of all of she those. She updates it every and year. And she updates it every year. She checks their credentials.
1: She so goes, what kind of service provider?
2: We have about oh. 40 or 50 different
1: um, plumbers and
3: uh, acupuncturists, <laughs> <think> of, acupuncturists <laughs> counselors. Um mm-hmm.
1: But, I mean, you have, like, financial planners.
2: Yes, we do. We don't, by the way, on a lot of those, we do not, we have, there's an idea of vetted providers. Right. And we don't vet anybody like that. It's too Too complicated. Too complicated and too much liability. But people can recommend that, you know, I go to recommend,
1: And then you can tell feedback on what the experience.
2: And then that person who, you know, some So and so recommends this person, and then so you have that you, member's name. You can call the member call and them. find out what's a. And know, what,
1: what about they're... home 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 health care providers? We
2: have we have individual home health care providers mm-hmm. who are on our list, um, who mainly live around Sausalito. Mm-hmm. and then we have several agencies
3: that it. we have uh, that we do vet. We do vet You
1: them. do vet the agencies. Yeah. yeah.
3: So mm-hmm. we have vetted, and then we have the. Member recommended. No, I get it. Those are two, two different parts of the...
1: And so help with computers and electronics, is that volunteer or is that... We have both. Okay. We is have- that utilized much? Yeah. yeah. Yes.
3: We don't have enough of volunteer <laughs> For that. that for that.
1: And what about the help with also- household chores and repairs?
3: Um, that's not a biggie. Um
2: People
1: don't... It is a bigger... It's system.
2: not. Okay. For some reason. We yeah. have. I think we have... Actually, my personal experience was that I needed somebody to help with house cleaning suddenly. Um, and I went on the list and I had somebody instantly because yeah. there was a great person on that list. Right. Um, and if you have 200 people, you know, you're going to get some names. I was very happy about so
1: that. So you have one person whose passion it is <laughs> to do the service it's, providers, computers, household chores yeah. stuff.
2: Oh, you mean
1: who does the service provider thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. service providers. Okay, just and that includes all of those. Uh, the, I get it. So, so I'm. So, what are the clusters? You got six key people or right. so. So one cluster is referrals, computers, household chores. What are the other key clusters that different people do?
3: Volunteers. Volunteers. Volunteer and membership. And, and membership. membership. Well, we, the membership. They have a committee of people who interviews every new member who mm-hmm. signs up so they interview to find out what, what they would like to see I from the village and things like that. And, of course, the volunteer is another very important piece. They still have to continue to do the orientation meeting and the, and just getting the volunteers together mm-hmm. for social reasons, if nothing else. Um, and then the, the whole data, um, I'm thinking of Ann and Gail. Gail, Gail Brewer. Uh, yeah. Gail Brewer. The, mm-hmm. the database people. I mean,
2: as I think about it, it's probably more than six. Okay. I was thinking six on the board, but um, half of the people who are doing these key things are not on the board. So
1: maybe choice. ten. Ten.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And oh, uh,
3: oh, and the programs, on oh, programs. Pro- somebody who does all the program and, and you know all these trips they go on and everything. Okay. There's one person. Programs,
1: that's... members. We also have volunteers, yeah. services. Yes. Yeah. So you begin to get a sense yes. of what the clusters are.
3: That, we had the monthly meets, we call them, and yeah. every month at lunchtime, the first or second Wednesday every month, we have a speaker, or some kind of educational um, speaker right. program.
1: Now to what degree do you did you at the beginning, and do you on a continuing basis, draw on the resources of the Village to Village movement, its annual meeting? Do, do people go to the annual meeting or not?
2: Um, we were, two of us went to the meeting year. two years ago yeah. and nobody went last year and one person's going this year it's useful mm-hmm. it's um it's not very useful, mm-hmm. but it's sort of useful, <laughs> and more useful than the meeting. I think is the um, the um, website they yeah. have um, forums with different kinds of issues. And if you're looking, if you have, are having a certain issue, like I, dealing with Club Express, which is our software, there's a very active group of users of Club Express, and um, you can call. There's a guy named Dick Elkin who's back east, and he's a real scholar of Club Express, <laughs> and so you know things like that are very helpful for us. And
1: don't they have a don't they have a, a startup book that's quite expensive? What, oh, Beacon
2: Hill Village actually, which started yeah. is the Beacon Hill Village book. Okay. They're also Club Express has a huge manual, 700
1: pages. No, no, I was talking about the Beacon Hill but he, Village.
2: Book. Beacon Hill did set up a um, did, does have a manual. And I bought it, or we bought it.
1: Was it useful? Um,
2: it was somewhat useful. Okay. I'm not sure... My feeling is when we started five or six years ago, there was much less information around mm-hmm. than there is yeah, now. There's a lot. And mm-hmm. I sort of feel like there's this local organization that started Bravo. And um, I've been to a couple of those meetings. And you can learn a lot just from people around here. Because mm-hmm. everybody's willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so...
1: So I'd like to open it up now for questions. I'd like to ask you to keep the questions brief and pertinent and say your name first. Okay. So we're recording. And so if you can speak in a way that's appropriate to an audience that isn't here uh, so that we get good dialogue. Jill? Yeah, yeah my
6: name is Jill and um, I'm wondering about background checks on volunteers.
4: How do you do that?
2: Um, there are a couple of um, digital, you know, computer services that people use. And um, we use the one that most towns, most villages have been using. And we were just, we've just switched to another one. And I'm not sure why. I can't remember why. It was we switched cheaper, it. I think. it was cheaper or more. I don't know what it was. But um, they do these computerized background checks. And we don't let anybody be a volunteer who hasn't had one of those background checks. Good. So you yes? pay
3: for the year yeah. for that?
2: Um, we pay for it. We pay for it, and it's it's not very expensive. It's like about twenty five bucks or something. Mm-hmm.
5: Okay, but but do the volunteers pay for their own background check or, do, or we it-
2: actually? We pay for it. The new service that we have signed on to, and I'm not sure whether the a decision has been made as to whether it's a good one or not. But um, the new one gives volunteers the option of paying for their own. But I think we've only had two people that we've done through that system, so I don't know.
1: Anna?
3: Hi, I'm Linda. Hi. And uh, it's this wonderful information. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you both for being here. It's wonderful. But you said that the money thing was a little surprising. You didn't think you were going to have enough, and then it turns out you've got more than you think. Can you tell us, besides membership, where your funding comes from?
2: All right. It's very minor. We've gotten $2,500 a year from, or twenty-six or something, from the Floating Homes Association. And let me just say that that has been, as far as I'm concerned, a key element of our success is pulling in people from the floating homes, because that is a group of self-starters and people who are very self-sufficient and know how to work with volunteers. And they're, you know, they're, they're people who, who really believe in this do-it-yourself ethic and um, helping each other. Um, but anyway, we've gotten money from them. And we've gotten um, some money from the art festival for a couple of years, and then we stopped getting that money. Um, and then we last year did a um, fundraising drive, which we hadn't ever done before. And I think we got about five or $6,000 from that.
3: And, and that was just sending out some letters. Just sending out I mean, letters. It was really big
2: fundraising <laughs> drive. And I'm trying to think what else we've done. Not much.
1: And your, your budget is clear. Membership is 28000 Grant twenty six hundred donation five thousand. So it's
3: mostly. Do you think that you have a? Sorry to interrupt. If you're going to say something. Do you think that you have sort of a number that's the most you'd get in terms of membership, given the population of your village, that you sort of look that that you've done your job in terms of membership. You people know about you, but it's not an expanding number. It can't not necessarily cannot be an expanding number, or is it?
2: We have not grown a lot. We have remained, I think we were 188 when we left Marin Village, which was several years ago, and we're slightly around 200 now. But we really feel that our job is not done until we have gotten a lot more people, because our community is, I think, 25%, um, 55 and over or Mm -hmm. something. It's a huge population of people who could use our services. Do
3: you know the population?
2: Um, It's about 6,000, just over 6,000.
7: Eric? I don't have a question, but two observations or comments. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, it's the second meeting I've come to about home. And I wonder if you have any response to the idea of the gender breakdown. Because there is a complete lack of uh, male presence here. Uh, I don't know if that's about nurturing or whatever it is, but I wonder (laughs) if that's your experience. Yes. (laughs) The other uh, other question is about... um, my idea of the village movement is about enabling people to stay in their homes. And, I mean, talking about chair yoga, talking about rides, I mean, this is the beginning. I mean, it's not critical, but is there a sense of deepening into a, a longer-term project of enabling people in need, not just people who kind of can't get out, but, you know, can, but this idea of, like, your, your father at 100, you know, um, regretting that he's not in his house. Is there a way of talking about that in, in your group? Or is that a direction you're moving
3: towards? You, oh, go, go ahead. No. I was wondering if you were thinking about like home ha, home sharing and things, options of living arrangements, because we have started that, yes. discussing about that.
7: Um, I haven't heard any of that now today from you about that. But is that a program that you
3: have? That's something we started. Well, let me go back. Um... With Age-Friendly, we actually sent out a survey. They don't even know what
2: that
3: is, oh, so we better start I back better. up. Age-Friendly at Saucedo is something that actually started in Saucido a couple years ago, two years ago. It's part of the city's program. Age-Friendly is a term um, that came out of the World Health Organization. It's a worldwide um, movement. There are a lot of Age-Friendly cities and countries and... Communities. Saucedo was one of the second one in the state of California that became age-friendly. And you had to go through this list of things that you had to do for World Health Organization. And one of the things they asked you to do from the very beginning is to do a survey of your community to see what are the priorities of your community that you think, as you age, you would need. So in Saucedo, we did this, and the... Um, Surveys show that there were three, three, three pri- uh, priorities. One was transportation. That's why we have the CARS program in response to the transportation, because we have all these hills and people have a hard time. And, and the second and third one, I think, have to do with housing. And one was affordable housing. Uh, and so we're addressing that by looking at, we're just beginning the discussion of Home sharing, house sharing, because there are a lot of single people living in large homes that don't want to leave, but they would like to have. You know, how does that work? How do you? What kind of renovation do you need to do to to deal with that? Um, and I think the third one has to do with, how something about housing too, but maybe maybe not affordable, but just you know, how do you renovate your housing so that it can be. Yeah, so it'd be accessible, be yeah. accessible for a thing. Um, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, it is, in a way. Because we just started this. I think it depends, depending on the age of the village, too, what's been happening. And we're, we're getting older. As our villages get, we've been involved for, what, say, six, seven years. And so the needs have become... Uh, a little bit different. So recently, we have a health advocacy committee that used to deal with more um, with people who are going to the hospitals or who need to know more about what kind of insurance you need to do what. Um, But recently, we started looking into different options. Let's say if you can't stay in your home anymore, you know, what are the other options? What other things can you do? So one was talking about sharing, you know, if you can get younger person living in, and maybe... The other one's looking at what are the institutions that exist in Marin County that people might be interested in knowing more about. Um, so the discussion's beginning to go more towards end-of-life issues and things like that. It's not some, something people wanted to get into right away, uh, and, and we're still having difficulties in knowing how to present it. So
7: does the village... But we're starting to do that. Yeah, okay. So it's not part of the generic makeup of what the village is trying to do. This is just something that you get a sense of. Oh, no, uh, it is. It is. It is. Because I don't hear, that's what I'm saying, is that in terms of the programs and in terms of the events and all. I mean, I, again, I'm not being critical, but I'm just sure. saying you're on a day to day kind of thing, you're helping people who kind of need help. But I'm, is there any work being done in a bigger sense or a deeper sense? Yeah.
2: We have long-range um, discussions and, plan- and planning. I guess that's the long-range, yeah. Um, but it doesn't show all the time in the, uh, in the programs that we give. We have programs that are ongoing, and then we're always sitting in the back trying to figure out what are we going to do for people who are getting older and need it, you know, to go somewhere else or um, find more help in the house.
3: Or um, or learning more about Medicare. Yeah. Because you know. I think
7: stepping back to Bolinas, uh, that I think all the things that you're offering are are things that we do or can do easily yeah. here without Can't necessarily think. being a village. Yeah, I, I think, think. I think. And that, my idea, my interest in the village is this idea that somehow there's something set up, established, in which if you find that you need, you're at the point where you need, and you want to stay in your house, where you, but this, then they come in and they assist you in trying to find out the reality of that. That's what our advocacy committee does. Yeah. And
3: we, so
2: what do you do at a? Acute situation. You have a you have a member, they have a
5: stroke, they get cancer. So immediately their life changes. And the socialization becomes less, and it's more about I need a ramp put in, I need a I need a caretaker, I need food, I need.
2: How do you at this moment handle that? That's the role of our advocacy committee, which are a group of people. Um, who have some kind of training um, in um, yes. health care or social work yeah. or something like that. And the person who's in charge of it right now is a retired nurse. And mm-hmm. she or somebody who works with her will go out and visit that person and talk about what their needs are now and what their needs are going to be going forward and then try to help with... And We don't do the hands-on help. We what we do is them. the referrals to yeah. different organizations that may be able to help that person i mean we're not in the business of nursing
5: or providing that kind of care
1: that's an antenna
5: just from my perspective um this speaks exactly to what i spoke about last time And, and what i'm sort of challenged with right now is my role with senior services and my role with the village and this is the instance where um i believe that um the two organizations will work together really well because the needs will be so much that exactly. this would be the moment when Westmore and Senior Services oh, kind of steps exactly. in. So we're sort of we have a benefit to having that organization because I know right now there's a lot of discussion at Senior Services. Wow, how is this going to affect us? And so I keep saying, well, in the acute situations, for sure, that's more in the realm of that. So
2: if you've got, I mean, that's one of my friend, Felicity Kirsch, who knows Westmoreland Senior Services well was saying, why do you need a village? I mean, she was thinking, you know, that West Marin Senior Services was providing a lot of the services. And the theory behind any village always is that you don't duplicate services, that you you, um, refer out to existing service providers to the extent they exist.
1: You know, in Langley, and then we go to Tina, um, what they discovered was that their senior services had significant services for low-income people, but for people uh, who didn't meet the low-income criteria, there was nothing. And so it was precisely for a lot of people who didn't meet the low-income criteria. And they had their senior services as a key part of the founding group. So there was never a sense of competition, there was a sense of how do we do this together.
0: You're listening to a conversation with Betsy Stroman and Stella Schell.
1: Tina, you had a comment?
8: Could you say more about what you see your role um, in, say, helping people think about house shares and and such? Because the idea of keeping seniors in their homes is obviously everyone's going, yes, and... Mm -hmm. I'm of that layer that's hoping I have a home to stay in. And so, you know, I don't, for all I know, there's people in this room right now who'd like... Being interested in home sharing, how do we find each other? How do you have a sense of how you can do that? What well, do you see that as part of what
3: you're wanting the, to do? The Sa- Sausalito Village, what they're doing is now working with the person in Marine County. What is the Leslie Clore. Leslie Core. and then she's so she we've brought her to Saucedo and talked about what she does, and we hope to expand from there. But that's just just one part of it. It's really one piece of it. The other piece is that we have um, made arrangement with the city of Saucedo to see if there's some way of making the permit system process a little bit easier for seniors to to if we have to renovate our house, whether it's for home sharing or for putting more bars in or for putting a, a lift in or whatever you know, so so what is that called, that whole accessibility process? Yeah, the whole process of of for them to work with. So what what we've done in this area has been many workshops for people to come together and discuss and ask questions and where we can go from here. We haven't done that much actual you know, batching people in housing, that's the next step. But in terms of, like you said, if someone just suddenly had a stroke or suddenly... Finds out, you know, they have stage four cancer or whatever. You know, what what do we do? Uh, if we hear about it, if we learn about it, we usually send somebody in from this health advocacy committee who are made up of social workers and nurses and people of that background. And they go in and really talk to the person and find out what their needs are. And then we make a referral. We don't do the actual work, of course, but we okay. then can make a referral. Yes. Uh,
7: I'm aware of the, uh, the shared housing efforts. I know Tricia and... Uh, I met you know, several in the days, yeah. ...and whatnot. You, <laughs> and I think what Tricia is finding out, I last saw her at the Robin Sweeney yeah. party the other day. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think what she's finding out is what I believe right from the get-go about this house-sharing is that you're involved in a pretty profound psychological and mm-hmm. sociological change. Yeah. And it re- and it requires a lot of outreach, uh, 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 you know, right down to the home
4: sessions, uh, uh, you know, uh, house parties and kind of so forth. There
7: has to be a program put out, a, a well-thought-out one, God forbid, even including a, a PowerPoint uh, presentation, uh, but... It, it's going to take a lot of time.
1: Yeah, it's and, a I, big I deal. Think I think Trish discovered so.
7: that the hard way. Big deal. Uh, and uh, and we and we need to do that kind of thing here. There's there's a yeah. lot of time invested in that. Area. Yes. Oh, uh, well, group of us in the Nevada area been living
9: together for over 20 years, successfully. So.
2: You say you've been living co how- housing Well,
9: not co housing. We have a big estate
2: that
9: we all um, live in, and we've got several houses. There's probably 40 of us in kind of a central group and two or 300 outside of that. What is your group called? Our community. We couldn't come up with a better uh-huh. name Our community? <laughs> Our community.
1: So, um, so you have a bigger state with a bunch of people well, living 12. there.
9: Been there pretty much ongoing for 20 years.
1: Mm-hmm. And then an extended group around that. So.
9: Uh, extended other houses and then extended mm, we've already really mastered living together. Uh, a lot of people have come to us and wanted to start communities. I'm thinking
3: we need to know about it Yeah, much. because we talked about ideas like that, but we want to go visit to see in well, actuality. Sure about that. Good. Good. Great. Oh, that'd be great.
1: Could you say your name?
9: Larry Tackett.
1: Last name is?
9: Tackett. Tackett. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other members who have been right. part of this for many years. So. so glad you're here. Our inquiry today was. Is, We're at the second stage of how do we take care of each other when we come to a major transition. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're inquiring about. Um, Jean and I have been working on on that initially, and we're starting to involve other people. But uh, how wonderful!
1: Thank you for coming.
4: Yeah.
2: If you can can give us contact information, that would be great. Yeah. Um,
1: Yes, did you
6: like to ask you? Is it all? uh, What's your youngest uh,
9: member of our community? Uh, well, Did you we all raised, start at the same. Age?
1: We've raised kids uh, through
9: the years. we've raised them. they're out in the world doing their own thing now. Um, so, so the age now is probably around fifty five to mm-hmm. I'll be seventy so uh, like that. And do that. you open
6: it to younger? would
9: you open like
6: housing to younger
9: people if they were contributing? To we've had we've had young people come and go over the years, so it's it's open. We just have a system of bringing people in. How we do it? To make sure everybody's happy. So, mm-hmm. where is it? Uh, Nevada. Oh, wow.
4: So Again, this the this
9: actually
6: uh, segues for me into the question of volunteering. If we, because we kind of, I'll I'm, I'm speak for all of us. <laughs> we kind of taught see Bolinas as. Uh, the whole village. Because mm-hmm. We are one, yeah. right? And we have all these volunteer things in place. We have common wood. We have lectures. We have intellectual programs. We have Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. We have yoga. We have dance. We have all those things in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's this next step that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and it is about the affordable homes.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: That's a major thing in Bolinas, and it's so. How do you tap into your younger community? Are they still commuting over the bridge and not really accessible to the village movement? Because we have a group that is making themselves available to mm-hmm. us. We just have to organize it, don't you think?
8: Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of young people That's that want cool.
6: organ want to volunteer. We just don't necessarily have the organization, nor the housing, nor the,
4: nor the, housing. Housing. the
6: housing. and my other question
4: is just practical. How much is the salary of the
6: concierge?
2: Well, she started out, at, we called it a stipended volunteer yeah, position in the beginning. And we gave her $500 a month. And um, then um, she's gone up to 1000 a, a month from us. And then she's getting about fourteen or fifteen hundred from the city through a grant that they have, so she gets about twenty five hundred a month. But well, it was somebody who has no college education and um, no work experience, but she had a lot of experience volunteering. And her kids were now out of the house, and she wanted to get into the um, work world without a resume. And so this worked out well for her. and um, she and the job has expanded. She's her skills have expanded, and it's it's been very satisfying. but it was it was it just happened to be right for that person. It's not a job for most people.
1: Other questions? Yes, well, just mentioning, I'm sure everyone's where this is
4: the uh, zoning issues you're going to run into right. in multiple mm-hmm. housing. Serious, yeah. Se- very serious, serious. Yeah. and uh, very enforceable, too. If a neighbor t-
1: turns you yeah. in, yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. Uh, in trouble. And these right. long cycle to change those because you have to rewrite zoning ordinances, oh, etc. Mm-hmm. But To me, there's an important distinction between the very important work being done in Bolinas on on the housing crisis and the village. In other words, I think you're completely right to raise this as a critical issue. Mm-hmm. It is for the town. But for a village to take on the housing issue would be a big lift. And it's gonna be a big enough lift just to get a minimum viable product of, you know, core services, a concierge system, and that off the ground. Um, and it, it seems to me just to the point about all the different things that we do have going on in Bolina-Stinson, that the more things that are done independently of each other, but in collaboration, the better off we are. And, you know, that each group sticks to what it really does well. Um, because as several people have said, uh, the housing crisis is a function of a lot of things we can't control, including the cost of housing in Marin County, you know, and so it's really gone through the roof. Uh, we'll take about 10 more minutes, and you folks have, I'd like to see if there's some other folks that would like to speak, if you don't mind. Uh, so I want to ask if there are any people who haven't spoken who would like to talk, and then we'll wrap up, and then there'll be a half hour for um, just informal conversation before lunch starts. Then... Um, uh, Betsy and Stella are going to step out with me. Uh, so we have a little time together and they will rejoin you at about one o'clock for the people who are staying, just so that we have a sense of that. So yes, comment there. Um, my
5: name's Connie. Um,
8: you mentioned in the beginning, I think that your membership is open to seniors and disabled people. Is
2: no, our membership's open to anybody.
8: It's, you know, it's just something about seniors
6: and disabled people. That was
2: for the CARS program, which is the special call-a-ride for Sausalito seniors. And we manage the program, but it's officially a city program, and that's open to seniors and disabled people. And
8: seniors, what's the definition of seniors? I think it's
3: probably 60.
8: I
2: can't remember.
3: I don't um, know what f- age. 55 and, uh, and over. That's the part of the Marine Transit grant money, so that's their stipulation for senior and disabled. Yes?
8: I'm
4: Pat. Michael, this is for you. I'm thinking this is, I feel this around here. Why why are we feeling we need an organization? It does seem like what Eric and that people are saying is that we do, do pretty much what the village, their concept is. Why do? Why does Bellinas need an organization?
1: Well, that's up to Belina Stinson. All the new school is doing is providing the opportunity for people to look at this together and decide, number one, whether people feel there is a need, and number two, whether there are six to ten people who want to devote a great deal of their time uh, to actually making this happen. Honestly, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, This is not an easy lift, and I think... Yes, there's a tremendous amount going on. What I haven't seen is an organized concierge service and the specific list of things that um, that the Sausalito Village does, which I think a lot of people need. I mean, in among my older friends, and I'm 71, but I'm talking about my friends in their 80s, uh, there are a lot of people who are having trouble vetting home health care people, having trouble with their computers, having trouble getting rides, you know, the the bread and butter of a village, as well as the social aspect, people who do feel isolated. Uh, And um, so in my own, you know, humble judgment about this, this would be a really good thing to pull off. But it's going to take some very dedicated people to pull it off. And a, 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 and that's not Commonweal's function. We're just, we're just providing the the opportunity to think about it. Beth, do you want to address? Like yeah, so yeah. Them, you work for, us for
8: yeah. and are doing a great job, let's give a hand.
5: you. Yeah. I actually have a simple way of answering this question. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Like People are making it happen, like to go to the meetings, and it's just happening, like it's this force, it wasn't, no one had to be convinced, so I think that's what it is, I feel like, oh, all right, we're doing this, you know, like I'm going along with it, so I think it's happening because it needs to happen, because it wants to happen, like the people in the community want it. And the next
6: meeting is
4: the 16th.
5: Correct. Yeah. Yes. My name is Joan.
4: I think it does really need a central organizing principle. We've been meeting in a small group of seniors, a support group, we call ourselves a third-age group after the French definition of senior citizens. And we've almost been meeting for two years. And the range of age suggests the differences in the issues from 60 to 85 or 88 are the members. And the older you get, the more you do have needs that you can't always address by yourself. So while Beth is doing a marvelous job, there's no question about what she's doing. A lot of people are slow to ask for help, are hesitant to let people know how vulnerable they feel. Mm -hmm. And if there was a central person and a phone number you could call, I think those people who have a harder time letting it be known what they need would make themselves available of services. Mm -hmm. And while we talk about a community of volunteers and young people who want to help, We've had an impossibly hard time finding volunteers to do driving for certain kinds of issues. So it's not that simple. And I think Mm -hmm. if it had a real central organizational principle, a concierge, a space, a phone number, Mm -hmm. and more information Mm -hmm. in the village, this would get off the ground maybe more easily than Sausalito, maybe not. But there's definitely a need for this kind of structure here. It does not happen by itself.
1: I think that's a beautiful point on which to wrap up this part of it. I know there are, well, let's see, there are two other people who haven't spoken, so we'll do that.
8: Um, I was at a meeting at the firehouse yesterday, and uh, our
4: fire chief, Anita, really wanted to be at this meeting today and could not,
8: uh, but she said that she would really like to tap into mm-hmm. what the needs of the village were exactly. and to see how the our volunteer fire department
4: could uh, That's uh, be part of it.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you. And you had a comment.
2: I was just
6: speaking for the... Ill-represented
8: Stinson Beach community here in this room, which would be two of us. But you know, you, (laughs) Lena's people are so blessed. We're isolated. Yeah. And we, I, I'm so excited about this because um, there's an opportunity. That's wonderful.
1: Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, uh, yes, one more, last comment.
8: Hi, my name is Deborah. And I'm part of the Novato community that Larry was talking about. And I live in a home in Novato that I we would call it co-living. So there are eight adults between the ages of 55 and 73 who live under one roof with us. There are some other homes also. There are a lot of different kinds of configurations. I'm hearing... So, first of all, thank you for being here. And I think your services are extraordinary. And we, as Larry was saying, we're getting to the point now where we're really looking with each other at what is needed um, along the lines of these kinds of services as we sage. And... Um, sage. Like <laughs> yes. and, yeah. Um, and we're all part of the new agent. <laughs> so... Um, Uh, What I wanted to say is that I'm hearing here that there's a lot, that people are wanting to know, to look at the possibilities around living together, sharing, be able to save their homes, be able to um, have more resources available to them, um, be able to not be isolated and to have each other to live together. And... um, I just I want to say that that's exactly why we are living together under one roof. We have so much more by sharing, so much more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and life is so much better. And we're a lighter footprint on the planet, and we share resources. It's really phenomenal. I feel so blessed to be able to be in that situation. And I just want to offer my... Um, my services my how I can be of service if people have some questions about how to live harmoniously under one roof that's,
1: that's a wonderful offer question. thank you for that offer yes. so I do want to wrap up this piece here before we finish a couple of things um, first of all at the end I want to give both Stella and Betsy an opportunity for last thoughts in this piece um, secondly uh, let's see how generous we can be in helping launch the Bellina Stinson Village. Uh, this is just an opportunity. Commonweal is simply wanting to support this effort with uh, your contributions uh, at this and the previous one. So let's see if you can if you can give something or if you have the potential to do it. Really help lift this off the ground. It takes resources and it takes people, and it really is something that needs to happen. So let's surprise each other by how well we do in uh, helping launch the uh, the Stinson Village. Um, Thirdly, uh, uh, you can make it out to Commonweal, and it will all go to uh, which is now going to the uh, Bolinas Community Center. Uh, actually, you know, you could make it out of the Bellinas' community center. Yes, yes. Okay, BCC, the village. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stella and Betsy, this has been tremendous. I'd like to ask each of you, just having heard people, uh, any thoughts or wisdom you have for what lies ahead for the effort to create the bellinas Stinson Village. Stella, would you go first?
3: Hmm. This is not wisdom, but. I was thinking of what you were saying that it's this is happening I can see it I -hmm. mean it's just it's so organic it's like Mm
4: -hmm.
3: it's happening and now the next stage will be someone actually organizing it yeah and this is what happened to us it's just it was happening there were a lot of people involved interested in this idea already
1: so thank you Betsy
3: Well, I was just thinking about
2: this discussion about the housing, co-housing, and shared housing. And one of the benefits of the village organization is that we have an organization. And ideas are um, in currency. You're thinking about things because you have an organization more than you would on your own. And so this we know this shared housing is a real challenge. But we're always thinking about it. We always have it in the back of our mind. And we're always looking around for opportunities to move ahead so i think that's another real benefit of a village is just having minds sort of focused on similar issues that are of concern to everybody
1: that's his Betsy Stroman and Stella Schau, thank you for being with us from Sausalito Village. Oh, I enjoyed and Thank it. you thank all you for coming. Yeah.
0: You've been listening to a conversation with Betsy Stroman and Stella Schell, hosted by Michael Lerner. Thank you for joining us at the New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio engineer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Chiani. Please visit our website at tns.commonweal.org That's tns.commonweal.org Commonweal Commonweal is spelled c-o-m-m-o-n-w-e-a-l You can also find us on Facebook